0: Do you think fearing the Lord stops when, when we receive our imperishable bodies when we go into heaven? No. no. Fear of the Lord is permanent. No. It's forever. It doesn't make us live, you know, um, lives that are no fun or anything, don't let anyone convince you that sinning is fun. You know, most people that sin all the time, you know, people that go and take drugs all the time, that's a sin. What happens to them? End up laying in the street with guns and they end up on mattresses down in basements somewhere with needles hanging out of their armor. You know, sin is not fun. And the sexually immoral, as much as the movie's trying to make out that guys that can, you know, swing from woman to woman to woman is so much fun, that same guy would be visiting chemists in the every city you'd go into because of venereal diseases and sicknesses that come as a result of that. And then at the end of that, I've, I've talked to guys that have lived that lifestyle and they're still living it and they're in my, my age and all they want is one woman, just one woman devoted to them. That's all they want, because they know that there's no joy in all that. All these sinful things that people get involved in leads you to feeling empty. But life in Christ is fulfillment like you've never known before. Amen? Amen, and that's what we should desire. Way above anything that you think God is not allowing you to do that seems like fun. We're going to be praying that we all desire wisdom. We desire that the knowledge of the fear of God so that we can embrace all these promises by having the fear of God. Amen? Because there's a lot of promises there, aren't there? They're pretty well encapsulated. Everything that you would hope for in life, all the good things you want in life, comes through fearing God. So you need the fear of God if you don't have it. If you do have it, you want more of it. Amen? Because so we've got to live our life with fear and trembling. chapter two verse one, and we're going to go through verses one to five today. Who enjoys the book of Proverbs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who finds it one of the best one of the best books in the Bible? It can be. I like most books in the Bible. I'm not a big fan of Song of Solomon. Really like so, Solomon. It's interesting. to that mushy stuff from you. Uh, now, two, verse one. That says, "I should do a verse by verse through the song of songs." Actually, um, two, one. My son, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If you do these things, you will understand the fear of the Lord Lord, and find God's knowledge. The overview of the whole chapter is, the first uh, five verses is finding wisdom and by finding wisdom, it brings the fear of the Lord and understanding and so on. Verses six to eight is the Lord gives wisdom and holds victory. Uh, And 9 to 19, how wisdom will protect you. It speaks of how living a wise life can keep you from making dramatic errors in your life. Who knows, we live in an age where people do a lot of silly things, you know, and end up in very crazy predicaments. And you just think, well, why would you do that? If you had any wisdom at all, you wouldn't have done those things. Um, And so that's why wisdom is so important. It's so important to use wisdom and live it out. So that's what the Proverbs is all about. And in verse 20 to 22, it talks about the upright inheriting the earth. Who wants to inherit the earth? Yeah? I want to inherit a bit of it at least, a little bit. Um, but we, the upright receive that. Jesus has promised that. It comes to the upright. And the upright are those that live by wisdom. So we're going to talk about that a bit more today. So we should store up these proverbs that are in this book. It says, my son, if you accept my words, so you're going to accept them, and store up my commands within you, store them up. You know, if if you're a, a farmer, and you're, you've got the winters coming, and it's you know you can see that the leaves are starting to fall off the trees. You start to store all the you know your hay. You start to store all your products that, that are sort of summer summer based products. And you store them up in sheds, don't you? You put them in barns. Now that's what this is telling us to do with wisdom: is to store it up, have a treasure trove of of wisdom stored up in your heart, things that you can say, proverbs that you can repeat off your lips. You know, and it's very important that we actually see wisdom in key phrases that we can uh, apply, but we also can place in us, in word form. Amen? Because it says Jesus is the word. He is the word. And he gives us words of wisdom, and those words have got to be stored in our heart. And you'll find that you can live a very wise life if you have many wise statements coming out of your mouth. Amen? You know what I'm trying to say? Because it does translate. Wisdom is applied from here into here, stored in here, and then when you need it, it comes up and out through here. So gather up the Proverbs in your heart by understanding them. So that's the first and best way. First thing is, is to read the Word, get an understanding of what it's saying. Embrace it. You know, encapsulate the whole meaning, the full meaning of the proverb. And that's what this verse-by-verse study is all about. It's encapsulating the meaning so that you guys fully understand what the proverb's talking about. And then store them up in your mind by repetition of saying the proverbs. Amen? They say, well, there's 31 chapters of proverbs, isn't there? 31 chapters. How many days in, in, in many of the months of the year? There's 31 days in a month. So there's a proverb for every day of the month or a chapter of proverbs for every day of the month turn your ear and apply your heart proverbs 2 2 turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding turning your ear and applying your heart is another way of saying applying your intellect to understand them and let them change your inner person apply your intellect Placing you, like, like if, you, if you want to do a course, if you want to do a subject, and you've got an exam coming up, you've got to apply yourself to that. You've got to apply yourself to the subject, because if you want to pass that subject, it, you've got to put time in. Amen? And it's, in a sense, it's the same thing, but even more important than any subject that you can do or any degree that you can achieve is getting through this life and not failing. You know? So we've got to apply ourselves to this, and apply our intellect, our mind, our understanding, embrace it, capsulate every drop of meaning out of it, and then store it up in your heart through memory, through your memory and repetition. And let them change your inner person. Let these proverbs change who you are. Amen. So our thoughts come from our hearts. We must apply our heart to wisdom because the word tells us we can't trust our own heart. Did you know that? How many songs have you heard and they say, you know, listen to your heart? Listen to don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to your heart. You know, don't trust your heart. Because your heart is deceptively wicked. That's why we've got to change our heart by the word of God. It's got to be changed. He's got to take out our heart of stone and place in us a heart of flesh. Mark seven twenty-one to 22, it says, For from within the hearts of men come... Evil thoughts. This is what comes out of the heart of man. Evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, arrogance, and foolishness. Wow. That's what's in there. If Christ isn't in there. When Christ gets in there, and if you apply yourself to his word, and you apply yourself to the wisdom of Of his word, and I'm not just talking about proverbs here. I'm talking about the word in total. Then he can change that thing, so that that stuff doesn't bubble up, as the word says. How can salt water and fresh water bubble up from the same spring? How can we, in one moment, say we we are for Jesus Christ, and the next moment we are slandering our neighbour? You know, we've got to be very careful what comes out of here. Jeremiah seventeen nine. It says, "The heart is deceitful." Above all things and beyond cure. So you can't fix it on your own. Only God can fix it, and who can understand it? And Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six says, I will give you a new heart. Because <laughs> the the one you had before you became Christian is no good. It's corrupt. You've got to get a new heart and put a new spirit within you. We need the Holy Spirit within us. Amen. Yes. I will remove from you. Your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That heart of stone. You know, it says in the last days that the love of most will grow cold. They'll have hearts of stone. You know, I'm sure many of you, before you became uh, convinced that Christ is the way, you've probably felt that heart of stone. You felt that numbness inside. Anyone experienced it? It was just me because I was desperately wicked. You know. Um, But as soon as I found Christ, something happened, something broke. But did you know it's not just a one-time occurrence? It's, It's constant. It's constant. We've got to store up these things in our hearts. We've got to change. We've got to be, like, just about say, every day, Lord, give me a new heart today. Yes. You know? Paul said, I die daily. So he died to his old self every day because the old self is always rearing its ugly head and wants to take control. He died every day to his old self, and he put on the new self. And he says, I died daily. And then he says, I mean that, brothers. He died. He gave up that old part of himself every single day. Taming the tongue, James 3, 9 to 12, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. That really convicts me. You know, we've got to be really careful what we think and say about people. We know and, and even people that cut you off on the road and you know uh, people that manage community centers and, and all sorts of things like that <laughs> we've got to be careful because you know they're making human likeness they're and, and also it says we don't battle against flesh and blood But it's not the person it's the spirit operating amen hey, right. who knows right. that it's yes. the spirit that operates in these people yes. and um, <laughs> you know and that spirit that operates in them you know sometimes that spirit can influence us as well and some people can say things about us and sometimes they're within, in a sense, they're not lying. They're pointing out things that we could be doing that is not right as well. You know, I know I'm guilty of that. You know, and so we've got to be really careful. You know, I know um, I've had conversations with people that are not Christian, just people I know, and they say, oh, you know, such and such told me that there was a group of them talking about me the other day and I said, well, that happens. Behind the back of everyone. That's right. Everyone. There's someone probably right now talking about you. You know what I mean? And if we get hung up on that, if we get worried about that, you know, it can drive us insane. Because they're not going to stop. But at least from this perspective, it can stop. Amen? Yes. From here, you know, from us, we should stop yes. Okay, it. Yes. Okay, that's it. It's stopped. <laughs> and we can't do it. Because it says there's no, you know, God doesn't uh, um, condone gossip, or slander, or anything like that. We've got to be uh, above reproach in that area. So who's is it, is it feeling a little bit of conviction in that Yeah, yeah. I think every one of us? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and at the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine, bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We can't allow this stuff to bubble up. Yeah, it's important. And this is where, when you honestly take a look at Scripture, you honestly have to come under conviction. You honestly have to change. You honestly can't keep on believing the way you've always believed something's got to break all the time and we've got to be searching for that I search for the things to improve in my life you know I want those things to improve I want to have change I want to be transformed amen I know that what I was doing yesterday is not good enough you know it's interesting um, that the country of Japan after World War two they they suffered a big time they you know a few bombs were dropped on them and Nuclear bombs, and it was a mess. The place was a mess. And uh, it was interesting because they tried to get back into the um, uh, becoming leaders in the world, you know, through, uh, through what they're producing, you know, through car production and, and, and many other things. And there was an American man who was quite innovative, and he came and he gave them 10 ideas of how what you can do. To become at the top of your field, and who knows? Japan is probably leads the way in you know car manufacturing yes. and, and many other things. And um, and one of the things I just never forget what, what he said. He says always do something today better than you did yesterday. So always improve every day. Do something better than yesterday. And so that whole country embraced that concept, embraced that outlook, and they every day they were improving on yesterday improving 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 and you know companies like Toyota and, and so on came up and that was their motto it was on their wall and when you go down to a Toyota dealership they've got these motivational statements and one of them is that on their wall on a um, like a, a poster and I think it's a good if you apply it into the Christian life do something today better than you did it yesterday learn something today grow today Change something. Learn one single proverb today and memorise it. You know, you learn one proverb a day, you'll nearly (laughs) have the whole lot learned in a year or so. You know? And it's not hard, it's just a matter of applying yourself to it. Amen? Thoughts check the heart's condition. Some cliche statements, it's funny that I just talked about Japan, because I wasn't planning on talking about Japan just then. But some cliche statements from the world of truth when placed in context with biblical truth, such as, thoughts are things, or you become what you think about most of the time. You know, I've always really taken hold of that. You become what you think about most of the time. Because thoughts are things. We might think they're non-destructive, you know, you, just, you can have any old thought going on in there and it's not gonna change anything. No, it changes a lot of things. The way you think it's hard if inside you're feeling negative to be positive mm. isn't it it's hard to go out into the world if you're feeling unfriendly and be friendly yeah. Yeah. you know hey, hey, hey. who has those friendly days you, yes. you know what i mean by friendly day when you're walking everyone looks fantastic and you're feeling great you walk into the supermarket and you, you know saying hey to everybody that you that walks past you and has anyone ever done that yeah. Yeah. i know fiona does it all the time you know. But you know, sometimes you just do that and everyone sort of looks back at you and gives you a nod and you know, a few people don't, but most people do. And then you got those days, who has those terrible days? Yeah. And then everyone you look at just like, please, don't don't look at me and you see someone you know and you quickly change your aisle. Everyone's guilty of it. Yeah. Just quickly push What's that? Yeah, we've done that we? Yeah, we? shouldn't have, should we? yeah. Well, there's certain people you're in, you know, that's dropping for five minutes and you see someone and you know if they grab, up, grab you, you've gone half an hour, three hours Yeah, so you just try it. And it's terrible when you're standing right in front of what you want. That's even worse. And you're peeking around the other. <laughs> They're still there. But, but that's, the, that's the day when, you, you know, we need to go out. We need to check ourselves before we, we go out into the day. You know, they say an orchestra tunes before they play the concerto, not after. You know, the tuning you've got to do before you go out, you know, or else, you know, you get home and all you're doing is asking God for forgiveness for everything that you did that day. So we've got to get in get in that place. And that's where prayer is important. You've got to get in the prayer. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to get your mind in the right place. And you've got to say, Lord, help me to have the best attitude possible today. School teachers, do you need to do that before you go into the classroom? Yes. Yeah. Jenna's got a particularly hard class this year, which was your she's part of your old classroom she's last year. doing great job. What was that? I said "Been last year. had them last year. She broke them in for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not nice. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> cool. I, I heard that, Bill. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's, so then, they nearly broke me. When I, when I heard Jenna was taken over the grade twos, I felt sorry, because Vena just did nothing but tell me, you know, not complain, but just talked about just yeah, how... Just Because these were, you know, tough kids, and it's not just one or two, it's nearly the whole class, isn't it? yeah. It's not... Like, Vena's got a class with one or two rat bags now. <laughs> but you've got a class full of graphics. Except the girls, they're alright. <laughs> like you <up>. <laughs> if counted. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's doing yeah. a great job
1: the way. She is. She is and she's, is yeah. this your first
0: full-time class? Yeah. Very it's job. your first full-time class. Oh, yeah, so she's done a great job, you've got to take on yeah, such yeah, a challenge. Okay. So next year you've got a great class coming soon. Yes. Um, yeah, but you really do, if you just go in there and you're not feeling too good, and you're just going gonna to go, all oh, you're going to be doing all day is yell at them. But if you go in there with the right attitude, there's more than likely you will get past a lot of the stress, mm-hmm. you know, that they can bring upon you. And and the stress a lot of the time comes on you because of what's going on in you. Mm-hmm. You know, this could be even going on with, with something with Lily as well. If, if the stress seems more because of what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously it is. Yeah. So, um... We need to check ourselves constantly, especially if you work in a workplace where people aren't particularly godly as well. I know Daniel works in a place with not particularly godly people around him, and he's got to bite his tongue a lot. You've got to quite a big hole in your tongue now, haven't you? <laughs> but, um, yeah, but he, he, he's gracious towards them because you've got to be gracious towards them. You know, some of the people that I bump into sometimes, especially because I'm a gardener, and you bump into some guys that think that there's not many words in the English language to use and they don't really choose many. They've just got a few select ones they use all the time. And, they, and the same word seems to express a million different things for them. You know what I'm talking about. Like, How did you fit that word onto that thing? But, uh, so yeah, you've got to be really careful uh, that we get ourselves in the right place. When you're with people like that, forgiveness Love, love them, understand that, you know, where they're at. They need a new heart, right? Because that's a prime example of what's bubbling up inside them. Insight and understanding, Proverbs 2, 3, and it says, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. See, when it says call out, if you really want something, like if a child, Jamie, you know, the kids, when they want something, do you know about it? Yeah, yeah. They call out, don't they? They grab you and they pull on you. And this is what they're selling. And This is the type of in- intensity with which we want to, uh, should have a want for this sort of thing, have a desire for this sort of thing. We've got to cry out for it. And these words are, s- are specifically used to get us to understand the kind of intensity that you've got to have. I remember there's a story of, um, and I might have said it, I can't remember if I've said it or not. And um, I think it was... Plato and Aristotle. I think Aristotle was the older, or could have been the other way. I'm not sure. I'm not a big uh, buff in that. My son would be able to. But uh, one of them, I think, was Aristotle. He took Plato out into the because he's asking me, "How do you get this knowledge and this wisdom and all? You know, be able to uh, philosophize like you do? And you know, tell me, how do you uh, gain this kind of knowledge that you that you have?" And he took him out and he walked out into the sea. And they walked out until they were about waist deep. And then Aristotle, I believe, please check me if you, if you could, tell, but he grabbed Plato and he pushed his head under the water. And Plato thought, you know, what's going on? And he's holding, him, he's holding his head under the water and he held his head and he's fixed his, like so solid because he's a strong lad. And then he started to struggle. And then he started to, you know, like this is the guy under the water and, he, and then suddenly he's like, I'm going to die. And then there was this wrestle and this fight and suddenly he just exploded out of the water. And he goes, what are you doing? And he goes, when you want philosophy like you wanted that air, you'll get it. You'll get it. If you want wisdom like you're a man that desperate, like a man who's drowning wants air, you'll get it. And so these words, if you call out for insight, if you cry aloud, cry. I think that's more like the cry of, you know, crying out. It doesn't necessarily mean ball your eyes out, but you know, cry out for it. If you don't give the kids what they want, will they start crying, Jamie? (laughs) Yep. We all remember, little kids. Yeah, they cry, they cry out for it, they want it. And that's how we have to approach it. You've got to want it, you've got to desire it with everything within you. Matthew seven seven eight says, "Ask and it will be given to you; seek and you will find; knock and the door will be open." For everyone who asks receives; he who seeks finds; and to him who knocks, the door will be open. We know about the unjust judge and the, the woman that kept crying out for justice, crying out for justice day in, day out, until he wore she wore the judge out, and the judge gave her what she wanted. But you've got to approach wisdom like that. You've got to want the knowledge of God like that. It's got to be that passionate. Look and search, Proverbs 2, four. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, desiring wisdom must be as intense as if someone told you that there was a million dollars in cash somewhere on your property. If someone said to you at home in your house somewhere there's a million dollars, what would you do? So, yeah? yeah? <laughs> would the bricks come down just about? <laughs> Depends if your house is worth more than a million dollars. But, you know, if someone says it's out in the backyard somewhere and you've got a big backyard, would that stop you? Or would you grab a shovel? You start digging, would you? Right? You've got to search for it. You've got to want it like that. You've got to desire it with everything within you. It's so important. Proverbs 2.5 says, Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Only then, when you search like that, when you really get a hold of the wisdom of God, will he then give you his knowledge, his understanding. So in a sense, we will miss out on all that. We'll miss out on understanding the knowledge of God. We will miss out on truly understanding and grasping the fear of the Lord unless we approach a Christian life like this. Unless we have that desire, it's not a choice, it's, it's got to be the heart of every Christian. Amen? It's got to be what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. The Holy Spirit's got to work that in you so you change your approach to God and change your approach to the Word of God and start to apply this into your life and it become a consuming passion. And so if it's not like that in you, you need prayer. And I need prayer. We all need prayer so that God will give us that burning passion. Amen. Who wants prayer for it? Yeah. Who wants to have that heart's desire to be like a King David who desired the knowledge of God above all things? You know, and Solomon, who actually spoke the, the, uh, the Proverbs, was given great wisdom and insight because that's what he desired. Now, when you gain true wisdom, you, at that same time, fear God. For true wisdom and insight is to come into the revelation of who God is and the reality of how he has set up the universe and eternity. See, you get that, once you get that wisdom, you get an insight and a revelation of who God is and the reality of how he set up this universe. It starts to dawn on you. It starts to get a hold of you that there is a heaven There is a hell. He will judge the living and the dead. And when you get that, that's when you get the fear of God. Without understanding that, there's no fear of God. If you don't believe in hell, why would you fear God? You know, some people say, oh, you only feared God in the Old Testament, you don't fear God in the New Testament. Have you heard that? Who's heard that? Yep, some people think, fearing God, why would you fear a God who loves you? Why do you fear a God who's good? Because he got it and also has a wrath. God also has a hell. You know, there's many reasons why we've got to fear God, but it's got to truly get a hold of us. You know, for us to get that revelation. Once you get that revelation, you're never the same, and God starts to work in you in a way which will turn your life around in dramatic ways. Who needs that? Who needs to put up your hand if you need that? Who needs to have God work in their hearts at this level? Should we fear God? Because a lot of people don't think you have to anymore. It's a huge movement in Christian churches. And I think that's a major problem. Luke 12, 5 says, But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Who knows that scripture? Yes. Fear him who after the killing of the body. So it's, it's, it's not even about this life. Because once this life's over, then you've still got to fear him. Because... There's more to come if you're not in right standing. We've got to get in the right standing with God. We've got to have a grasp of the fear of God. We've got to have that knowledge consume us so that we can walk out the Christian life with the right heart. Because Jesus says, fear him, who after the killing of the body has to throw you into hell. So he's scaring us. It's like my dad coming up to me. To me, and I love my dad, but he's like coming up and saying, if you do that again, you're going to get this. And it's going to hurt. My dad was old school. And I used to get it every now and then. But usually when he said that, that was it for me. I stopped straight away because he was a man of his word. If I I continued to do it, I wouldn't be able to walk. And, you know, God's rule old school. God's got the older school. You know, He's been around, He's ancient of days. He doesn't put you in time out. He puts a man in hell where he'll be under the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. People say, oh, hell is just eternal separation from God. No, it isn't. You're in the, the viewing eye of God for, the, for eternity because men will come and watch you burning in hell forever and ever and ever. Did you know that? It's not eternal separation. You're living under the wrath. God's wrath is being poured out forever and ever and ever. And we need this revelation because it changes us as Christians. It changes us. It makes us change who we are. And I'm going to read you some scriptures that explains how important having this revelation, understanding the fear of God, having it really get a hold of us and letting it change us, letting it correct every element of our life so that we can stand up under everything that God puts us through and enable us to go through with wisdom, through life with wisdom. Luke 150, and it says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation, from generation to generation. His mercy extends who to? Those who fear Him. His mercy doesn't. You can infer that. And if, for instance, just take the spin, the opposite spin on it, his mercy does not extend to those who do not fear him. So that's when I hear a Christian say you shouldn't fear God. Well, then I think, well, I don't think mercy will extend to you. Because you've got a misunderstanding of who God is. Is God love? Yeah, does he love you? He loves you so much he laid his life down for you. But is that it? He's also a God with a wrath. He's also a God that tells us in Scripture there's a hell where people go forever and ever and ever. And you truly, I believe you truly can't be a Christian unless you believe that. And you not just believe it, get a a hold of it. Like Jesus says, fear him who after the killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Salvation is near those who fear God. 85, nine, it says, surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. 1 Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honour the King. So this is all New Testament. 1 Peter is New Testament. In the New Testament it's telling us to fear God. It hasn't changed. Just because now we're under grace, it doesn't change the fact that you've got to fear God. And you've got to live under that fear because Jesus tells us, I'll tell you who you should fear. Don't fear man. That's what he's pretty much saying. Don't fear man who can kill the body but do you no more harm than that. Fear him that after the killing of the body has the power to do worse. Far worse. And that gets you sober, doesn't it? You know? I don't want to have a, a drunk on the Holy Spirit move of the Spirit in this church. I want to have a sober Holy Spirit experience. I want to have God move in a sober people who understand how important it is to have the, these important doctrines in place in their life. How important is this? If, if His mercy doesn't extend to those who do not fear Him, why are we teaching we don't have to fear God? You're basically saying, no mercy If if you accept what I'm teaching, there'll be no mercy for you. If you accept that God, uh, you don't have to fear God anymore, then you're accepting no mercy from God as well. But we have to understand that he is a God that has a wrath. He is a God worthy of fear. But the fear we're talking about, and people get this misunderstood as well, it's not the fear that a man would have of of a serial killer who's in their bedroom with them. Is that... What sort of a fear is that? That's a fear of evil. That's a fear of a, a terrible, terrible person doing a terrible, terrible thing because that's all that's in that person's heart. That's, that's a different kind of fear to fearing God because if you fear God who loves you and you live under that fear and knowledge, then you can truly understand who he is and you understand his grace that has been given so that you don't have to live under that wrath. And then you appreciate it because He loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the perspective comes, Amen. Perspective comes. The value of the cross is held in such high regard. And you know, some people, you know, and I've been in churches where you receive in the communion and you're just about yawn. You know, oh, here we go. Oh, the juice was a bit better today. You know, you're thinking like that. Oh, well, the bread's a bit stuck. You know, we're not getting our heart in the right place. You know, Jesus laid down his life so that we don't have to go to that place. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing he did for us. Fear God because of his judgment. Revelation 14, 6-7 it says, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. To every nation, this angel has the eternal gospel to proclaim. To every nation, tribe, language and people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. That's going to be the final gospel preached to the earth. The first words out of these angels mouth to the nations of the earth. When the angels are flying in midair, proclaiming the gospel for their one last chance for men to turn to God. First words out of his mouth with the eternal gospel is fear God. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. The hour of his judgment has come. You know, that's going to be a magnificent day. And you see that angel flying. There he is. He's proclaiming the gospel. There he is. He's doing it right now, you know. You know, if we live to see the return of Christ, we're going to live to see that too. We're going to live to see the two witnesses. We're going to live to see the 144,000 Jews proclaiming the gospel. We're going to live to see all these things. We're going to live to see the harvest at the end of the age, which is when God pours out his spirit on all flesh, because it says that in Joel 2.28. We're going to live to see all those things if Jesus comes in the next 20 years. And these are magnificent things we're going to get to experience. And this is going to be the glory of God poured out upon men. And God is preparing this church, I believe, to be a people that can carry that anointing. A people that can carry that anointing and bless everyone that they know through the anointing that he's going to pour out on, on the church on mass. But it's going to be a, a, a frightening day at the same time because there's going to be man, much opposition against this last move of the Spirit. But God says that hell will not prevail. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And the church is going to be empowered at this time. It's going to be a magnificent time. And I want you guys to pray about it. You know, speed is coming, as the Word of God says. Pray and believe Jesus is coming soon. We've got to get... We got to. Uh, you know, get empowered in the spirit. We've got to have uh, this knowledge completely set firm and fixed in our hearts so we know exactly what the gospel is. So we can proclaim it at that time. Amen. Fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the springs of water. So that's what they're going to be proclaiming, that they should worship Him. Philippians 2, 12-13, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you reckon you'd hear Joel Osteen preach that? You know? Best life now. Oh, by the way, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't sort of go with the best life now gospel, does it? No. You've, got to, you've got to know the word and know that there's so much deception going on and they'll try to soft-pedal the gospel and you won't understand the full impact of all these doctrines that we're talking about today and it, you won't get the conversion that you expect. You won't be changed as you're supposed to be changed as God wills you to be changed. But we've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know? why why do you think he's saying that i believe it's so so that we don't feel free to do whatever we want to do you know so we're not free just to go and do the things that we know we shouldn't do so that we we're careful we tremble in in the presence of god god's watching me and live out your life like that live out your life like there's a policeman walking around with you 24 7. But this policeman is a little bit more exact than a normal policeman. This policeman won't even allow you to swear. And if you pop one, you get a clip. you know. <laughs> so be careful not to let the, let a clangor come out of your mouth. And you be careful to do the right thing. You be careful not to cheat anyone, not to slander anyone, not to do anything wrong. Because this person's watching you. Amen. You be careful what you watch on the... On, uh, the computer, you be careful what you watch on TV. Everything will change when you live out your life on, with fear and trembling. Amen? People say, oh, that's terrible. What, you're trying to teach a church to live out a life fear and trembling? Because we have this, you know, imagine a person that's sort of like bent over and scared out of their wits. No. You can still walk boldly in Christ. But when your thoughts go to God, you tremble under him knowing that this short time I've got to get it right because I'm going to be held to judgment like everybody else. doesn't matter how good you think you are in Christ you're going to be held to judgment as well. Amen. Who knows that? If you believe Jesus is going to die for you if you believe anything that's in this word you believe that one day you're going to stand before him on that day and I, how often do I preach that? Yeah. Just a reminder if you don't hear it through the rest of the week, you'll hear it on Sunday. The fear of God. He will instruct you. Psalm 25, 12. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. If you want to get the instructions coming straight from God, fear the Lord. He confides in, in you. Psalm 25, 14. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. You will lack nothing. Psalm 34, 9. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack fear nothing so we don't have to worry about the mark of the beast because if we fear God he'll provide for us mm-hmm. stores up good things Psalm 31:19. how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you goodness is stored up for those who fear God which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you protection Psalm 33, 18 to 19. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. His eyes are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. How's that? What a promise. If you fear him, he'll keep you alive in famine. He'll deliver you from death. Angelic protection, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. So if you don't fear God, none of these things apply to you. Do you who wants all those things I've been reading? Yeah, if you want all these good things in your life, fear God. And if you, don't, if you say, well, I can't fear God, well, you don't understand God's knowledge. That means you've got to pray for wisdom so that he gives you the wisdom to be able to grasp God, to understand the fullness of who he is in, a, in an eternal sense. Does that make sense? He loves and forgives. Psalm 103, verse 11 to 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So too, the transgressions are removed from those who fear him. The fear of God, so important, provides food. Psalm one hundred eleven five. he provides food for those who fear him. You would think that I just made these scriptures up to prove my point about fearing God. Now, my point about fearing God came from reading these scriptures. When I looked up, searched out fear of God or fear of the Lord or anything, uh, those sort of terms, and then I did a search, I was just blown away by what I found. How many scriptures? Now I'm going to show you a few. Just a few. There's a lot, lot more than this. Love for future generations. Psalm 103, verses 17 18. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who... Fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Isn't that amazing? Prosperous descendants. Who wants prosperous descendants? Everyone here? Yep. Psalm 112 verses 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. Blesses the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth. And riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. And that all goes to the man who fears the Lord. Where it says right there, the man who fears the Lord. Who wants that? Yeah, these are promises. Do you know what? You get, you go. Oh, 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 we've been we're in churches for many years before we uh, came in our, into this church. But... For many years, we were told about promises of God and all these promises you can have. But never did I hear them attached to the fear of the Lord. I've done sermons using um, many of these scriptures, and it's called, you know, uh, activating the promises of God. If you don't activate the promises of God by the fear of the Lord, they don't apply to you. So, if you're not getting taught the fear of the Lord, then promises teaching about promises is a fallacy. It's not true. Because it comes together. Fear the Lord, you get this. 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 That's how it works in scripture. Amen. I can see it now reading these scriptures. Fruitful. Psalm 128, verse 1 to 4. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat. This is referring to them, those people, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. This thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. This is powerful, guys. Health. Proverbs 3, 7, 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Avoid sin. Proverbs sixteen six Through love and faithfulness sin is atoned for through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. See? People say how do we avoid how do we resist the sin nature? Fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, you won't do it. If you're doing it, it's because you're not fearing the Lord. Our is fulfilled. Psalm 145, nineteen to twenty, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. See, if you've got desires, if you've got things you want to do in this life, he will fulfill them if you fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. This is the man who fears him. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. God's delight. Psalm 147, verses 10 to 11. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in... Those who fear him. Who put their hope in his unfailing love. Isn't that incredible? I find this amazing. Long life. Who wants a long life? Yeah. Proverbs ten twenty seven: The fear of the Lord adds length to life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. Isn't this amazing? Upright life. Proverbs 14, He whose walk is upright... Fears the Lord, but he whose ways are devious despises him. Protection from death, Proverbs 14, 26 to 27. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. You know, how many times do you walk into your home and you just feel like you've walked into your own refuge, yeah? Have you had that experience? Because you fear God, that's why you walk in and you feel so secure in there. It's not because their house is secure, like anyone can break in if they wanted to. It's because God is there. Because you fear God. You have that understanding. Amen? He'll be a refuge. The fear of the Lord, listen to this, is a fountain of life turning a man from the snares of death. These are important. Rest. Who doesn't get enough rest? I think I need to fear God more. Get better rest. Proverbs 19, 23. 23, The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Wow. Wealth and honour. You can't believe how many there are, can you? And this isn't all of them. Proverbs 22, 4. The humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honour and life. If you, if you want any kind of wealth in your life, and I'm not talking about being a multi-millionaire, just to have your own home and just to, you know, um, do well in life, you know, have enough money to put food on the table and look after kids and all that sort of stuff, then fear the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord brings wealth and honour in life. And again, if, if you don't honestly understand the fear of the Lord, then you need to seek his wisdom. You need to knock, seek, ask. You need to seek him who can give you wisdom to understand the fear of the Lord because the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom it's just where it begins it starts from that point once you fear the Lord that's when you've become wise that's when you started your road of wisdom zealous Proverbs 23 17 do not let your heart envy sinners but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord be zealous about it I'm trying to be zealous about it today the Lord's made me zealous about it. But we've got to be zealous. We've got to be passionate about this. Amen? Don't harden your heart. Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. It says, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Praised women. Proverbs, this is for the women of the church. Proverbs thirty-one thirty. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. If you're one of those people that, you know, as you see your beauty fading, um, then you, you become a, a woman who fears the Lord and you're going to be praised. And, you know, you can see those women that have just lived in Christ and they're elderly, but they're still beautiful. Amen. You know, because it's the spirit in the person, it's the way that they speak to you, it's the love that emanates from their heart. And beauty is, is it's just here one day and gone the next, except in Andy. <laughs> always looks beautiful. Sharon And of course Sharon, it's Foxy. Yeah. <laughs> What's your secret? Oh <laughs> it's like slowly, slow slow it down, Lord. I wish there was if you fear the Lord you'll always remain beautiful. Yeah, but it's not that scripture. I can't make them up. Another. The fear of the Lord is to find life in Christ. To have not only an understanding of his love, but also his wrath is to live in this world without deception as to who we are in relation to who he is, because as many, as I said, I think it was last week, uh, there was many deceivers in the world that have gone out into the world to distort these truths and uh, after studying all those deceptive views, you get to see the truth of the gospel so much more clearly because you see all the deceptions that have gone on and all the twisting of words to make people believe certain ways which are not of the gospel and so that study that I did many years ago was one of the best studies I ever did in my life um, it was good for the church too Bill you were there through all that weren't you remember all the uncovering religion yeah. stuff and we went through so many religions but by the end of it we could see the gospel so much better and when, when little things come in and, and uh, people say something like, oh, you know, um, we're all little Jesuses. No, we're not. You know, when you hear that sort of stuff, you know, well, we're, not, we're not little Jesuses. Don't deify yourself. Don't deify yourself. You're not a God. Because Jesus is God. And there's people around saying, no, Jesus is not God. He's the Archangel Michael. You get all this sort of teaching. But when you've studied it all, no matter what scripture they bring up to try to convince you of their point, you've got the, the scriptures that clarify those points. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So having an understanding of that um, helps you to keep from deception as to who we are in relation to who is we, we will forever remain humble and submissive to our God in all eternity when we fear the Lord. Do you think fearing the Lord stops when, we're, when we receive our imperishable bodies when we go into heaven? No. No. Fear of the Lord is permanent. Bang. It's forever. It doesn't make us live, you know, um, lives that are no fun or anything. Because don't let do anyone convince you that sinning is fun. You know, most people that sin all the time, you know, people that go and take drugs all the time, that's a sin. What happens to them? They end up laying in the street in gutters and they end up on mattresses down in basements basement somewhere with needles hanging out of their arm. You know, sin is not fun. And the sexually immoral, as much as the movies trying to make out that guys that can, you know, swing from woman to woman to woman is so much fun. That same guy would be visiting chemists in every city you would going to because of venereal diseases and sicknesses that come as a result of that. And then at the end of that, I've, I've talked to guys that have lived that lifestyle and they're still living it and they're in my, my age. And all they want is one woman, just one woman devoted to them. That's all they want, because they know that there's no joy in all that. All these sinful things that people get involved in leads you to feeling empty. But life in Christ is fulfillment like you've never known before. Amen? Amen. And that's what we should desire. Way above anything that you think God is not allowing you to do that seems like fun. Amen? And in that state alone, we will have the mind of Christ. It's when we fear God that we receive the mind of Christ. Amen. Who's been blessed? I, I poured out on you again today. I hope you've been, you're have been you okay with that. But I pray a real blessing over you, and I pray that we all come into that knowledge. Um, and as I'm praying this prayer now, I'm going to be praying that we all desire wisdom. We desire that the knowledge of the fear of God so that we can embrace all these promises by having the fear of God. Amen? Because there's a lot of promises there, were not there? They're pretty well encapsulated. Everything that you would hope for in life, all the good things you want in life comes through fearing God. So you need the fear of God if you don't have it. If you do have it, you want more of it. Amen? Because we've got to live our life with fear and trembling. So Lord, we just pray that you would give us a full revelation of this. And Lord, I think it's a significant um, thing that we must seek in this life as Christians, to, that we would have your knowledge, that we would have your wisdom, and that we would understand the fear of the Lord. So I pray a real impartation of desire for those things, that you'd give us a passionate heart to seek after the wisdom that only comes from you, not things that come from the world, but things that come from you, and help us to understand, Lord, um, what it is to truly fear you. Give us an understanding of your nature, And the fullness of your nature, not just one side or a quarter of it or a half of it, but the fullness of who you are so that, Lord, we can have um, everything in perspective, that um, the way the universe operates, the way you operate, the way we are to be, and all of those things will be very, very clear in our mind so that we can just slot in with you and do your will and not lose touch with you for the remainder of our life that your spirit will help us with this, that your spirit will come upon us and move us towards um, this uh, revelation. And so I pray today in your precious name, Lord, that you'd pour out your spirit on every single person here and that they would receive that that love, that desire and that zeal to seek after the things of God at a level they've never known. Put that hunger and that passion, that desire to have these things in our hearts, Lord. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus.